are going to be in our study again tonight. That's what we've been looking at. There. And going through the uh, What's on Your Mind? Discovering the Power of Biblical Thinking. Uh, Lesson 12 last week. The um, This is kind of like an older, I think a little bit of an older this because lesson 13 is actually like the second appendix in here. So we're actually going to be doing the conclusion and then appendix one tonight, what we'll be looking at. So there's not any, not any PowerPoints or anything like this or handouts for tonight, but I did have you bring your book, so have that handy um, as we look at these. But again, just by way of review, it's um, kind of, again, just the premise of what we've been looking at in this is just really how our thoughts are really the key to really everything because our actions are a result of our thinking and how we think is how we act. So if we want to change the way that we act, we got to change our thinking first. And it, that's kind of the premise that, that, again, that the book's based on. Again, the three sections that we, um, we're kind of looking at it in here through those first, first 12 lessons where, like, for, of course, part one was called Brainwash Christianity, which is the importance of having a open mind to, obviously, to truth, God's truth specifically. Part two is who left the brain door open, which is we need to be closed-minded to certain things. And then the third um, section, which we finished last week, was on mind control. And again, that was literally being under the mind of Christ is what the premise of that was. The lesson last week, I guess we did that on our special uh, um early afternoon last week at the at pastor's house, but that was a, a pretty good culminating lesson if uh, for those who were able to be here for that, but on having the mind of Christ and serving and that specifically. But the conclusion in the appendix one or two are too good to like not do, so that's what we're going to do um, tonight. Um, so again, we'll be doing the conclusion, and I'm going to go ahead and start right there. So again, no PowerPoints or anything like that, so you're stuck with me on that tonight, but um, someone just to pray to, to open us out tonight. Anybody? Go ahead, Pastor. Father, we come before you, Lord. Uh, we just thank you for uh, just this wonderful day. We just see your beauty outside and the nice weather and, uh, and just how you created all things. And we're just thankful for that. And um, just ask that uh, you guide Brother Ken, Lord, as he teaches tonight in, the, in this lesson and thinking about our mind, how we think about things. And, power to have our minds renewed. And so I just pray your blessings on on, uh, on this teaching tonight and then also for our fellowship. Uh, thank you for uh, Gerald Cheryl coming tonight and uh, sharing with us and just ask that you bless their family as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's go ahead and jump right in. An autistic savant, which is historically described as an idiot savant, is a person with both autism and savant syndrome. And savant syndrome describes a person that has a severe developmental or mental handicap with extraordinary mental abilities not found in most people. So that kind of means a lower than average general intelligence or IQ, but a very high narrow intelligence in one or more fields. Savant syndrome skills include like things such as striking feats of memory and arithmetic calculations, sometimes unusual abilities in art or music, 
And savant syndrome is sometimes abbreviated as savantism. And individuals with that syndrome are often called savants. Most autistic savants have extensive mental abilities called splinter skills. However, it's important to note that people with a high general intelligence can still demonstrate these same skills. Savant disabilities are not necessary for these skills. And they can recall things such as you know, facts, numbers, license plates, maps, extensive sports and weather statistics after being exposed to them only once. And some savants can mentally note and then recall perfectly a very long sequence of music, numbers, or speech. Some dubbed mental calculators can do exceptionally fast arithmetic, including prime factorization. Like, that sounds kind of crazy. Like, one, three, five, seven, yeah, anyway, that sounds crazy. Other skills include precisely estimating distances and angles by sight. Calculating, calculating the day of the week for any given date over the span of tens of thousands of years, which is kind of nuts, and being able to accurately gauge the passing of time without a clock. Most autistic savants have a single special skill, while others have multiple. And usually these abilities are concrete, you know, non-symbolic, you know, right hemisphere skills as opposed to left hemisphere skills that tend to be more sequential, logical, and symbolic. And again, this is the, the author speaking here. Savants are a fascination to me. If you want something that will literally stun you, do a Google search on the subject of savants. Type in names such as Kim Peek, Daniel Tammet, or Stephen Wiltshire. Kim Peek has become very popular after being the basis for the fictional film Rain Man, produced in 1988. Peek can read two pages at a time, one with each eye, in eight seconds, and has a 98% retention. Daniel Tammet has been called the Brain Man, found and then memorized the endless numbers embodied in the Greek letter pi. Now, of course, pi is normally rounded off to 3.14, but the number actually goes on to infinity. After finding the sequence of these numbers, Tammet, over several weeks, memorized 22,514 digits in order, and then went to Oxford University in England, and in just over five hours, with several university students checking, the lists recited all 22,514 numbers in a sequence without a single mistake. Or Stephen Wiltshire, is known as the human camera, took a 45-minute helicopter ride over Rome, and then over the next three days, drew an exact replica of every building and street in the city on a five-and-a-half-yard canvas from memory. Scientists have been studying these people for years, and there's only around 50 known savants in the world today, but yet to discover what unlocks their brain to these incredible abilities in certain areas. For years, it's been believed that humans only use about 10% of their brains. Some of us have trouble remembering a four-digit code at the ATM. And man can only speculate about the potential of the human brain. In my brief research on savants, I noticed that in many of them, it seems that there was a certain catastrophic event which seemed to unlock the portion of their brain. In the case of Daniel Tammet, the pie man, his mother noticed a change after an epileptic seizure. Man was created in God's image after his likeness, right? And God said, 
let us make man in our image, after our likeness, Genesis 1.26. Imagine the capability of Adam's brain, made after the image of God. No wonder he had no problem naming the animals and caring for the entire creation. But a catastrophic event took place in the garden one day. Man disobeyed God, and when he did, he was immediately separated from God. His body and mind were now tainted with sin, and he would never be the same. God's perfect creation had been marred by sin. When Adam sinned, the entire human race that followed him was now flawed as well. Romans 5.12, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And then notice how Paul also describes the effects of sin in our lives. This is Ephesians 2, 2-3. Wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the mind and of, of the fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Could it be that all of our minds possess stunning capabilities, such as these savants demonstrate in single areas, but because of sin, these areas of our brain remain locked? Only God knows. But I know this, another catastrophic-like event is going to happen one day. And then if you've got your Bible, go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians 15. We'll just read those verses out of here real quick. Just to get you, if you have your Bible, we'll read those. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 to 57. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised, incorruptible, and we shall be changed. There it is again. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 to 57. And when Jesus Christ comes, we are going to be changed. We will have new bodies, to be sure, but we'll also have new minds. The capabilities that God created us with will be restored. 1 John 3, 2. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. But while we are stuck here with sin-flawed bodies and minds, don't neglect to read the next verse, verse 3. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Ask God right now to help you get started. Ask him to give you a brainwash. Ask him to help you keep the brain door closed. And ask him to enable you to be under his mind control. You'll be more the person God wants you to become because, as we've talked about this verse here a lot, Proverbs 23, 7, 
as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. That's where it starts, is our thoughts. So again, that was the conclusion there. Too good to pass up, so we're actually going to jump over to Appendix 1 here as well. Next week will be Appendix 2. Paul tells us in 2 Timothy 3.16 that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for, first is what? Doctrine. That's what's right. What's the next one? Reproof. That's what's wrong. What's next one is what? Correction. That's how to get right. And the last one? Instruction and righteousness. That's how to stay right. The truth is, most of us know when things are wrong in our lives. God's word has been written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness. Romans 2.15. The preaching of God's word, or the reading of it, exposes the errors in our lives and causes us to change our minds about our sin and repent. However, we must go a step further because the Bible does. If all we do is empty our lives of sin, we leave a void for the devil to fill with something else. This is a passage out of Matthew 12, 43 to 45. It says, When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest, and findeth none. Then he saith, I will return into my house from when I came out. And when he is come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. Then goeth he and taketh with himself seven other spirits, more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation. The old must be replaced with new, or it will be replaced by worse old. Notice carefully this principle in Paul's instruction in Ephesians 4. And we're going to read this passage here, Ephesians 4, 20 to 32. Who all has their Bible handy? I know John has one and there's one. We'll just go around the room and read those as we, uh, you don't have to listen to me read it the whole time. Um, Ephesians 4, 20 to 32, I'll give you a second to find it. And then we'll jump in and read those here. Ephesians 4, 20 to 32. Everybody got it? Okay. I'll just, uh, I'll start in verse 20. We'll go there. But ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him, and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus. That ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry, and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the things which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, for that which is good is the use of that divine, and it will minister grace unto you. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. 
Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Put off and put on. As Paul deals with certain sins, he not only instructs the believers to put them off, but then specifically states what should be put in their place. For Christian growth and maturity to take place, the old habits of sin must be broken, and new patterns of thinking and living must replace them. Someone has said, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Well, first of all, we're not talking about dogs. We're talking about people. Second, we're not talking about tricks. We're talking about holy living by the grace of God. Either we believe the Bible or we don't. God is in the business of changing lives. He changes us at conversion and makes us brand new creatures, 2 Corinthians 5.17, and then changes us continually through the process of sanctification, 2 Corinthians 3.18. Then 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. The Bible is filled with instead ofs. For example, in James 5.12, it says, But above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any other oath, but let, but let your yea be yea, and your nay, nay, lest ye fall into condemnation. What about Psalm 1? 1 and 2. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. The wrong sin, the wrong habit, is replaced by the right action, the right habit. Listen to James. This is James 4, 7 through 10. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be afflicted, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Or what about Ephesians 5.18? We've already looked at that one recently. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. There's no such thing as instant holiness. Enoch walked with God. So Jotham became mighty because he prepared his ways before the Lord is God. Paul instructed Timothy to exercise thyself rather unto godliness. Spiritual maturity is an ongoing process of replacing the old with the new. Enoch didn't get from point A to point B in one step. He walked with God. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. God exposes the old and explains the new. He teaches repentance, but also replacement. He commands us to deny the old and dedicate to the new. Forsake sin, follow the Savior. Starve the flesh and saturate ourselves with the Spirit. If we're going to be healthy sheep, we must have a balanced diet. And then here, this is one of the reasons I want you to have the book. Says I've listed 82 
common sins that need to be put off in our lives, and there are counterparts that should be put on in their places. With each of these old and new habits, we've listed several verses that reinforce the principle. When you're struggling with an area in your life, memorize these verses that rebuke the wrong and reinforce the right. Jesus confronted the temptations of Satan with Scripture, and we are wise to take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and do likewise. So if you see in your book there, again, there's kind of a kind of that table, and it goes on for a couple pages of things on the left to put off and the corresponding put on, and there's verses there for every single, uh, for each, each entry there. For example, number six, selfishness, and then death to self over on the other verses. Rebellion, submission, number 10. How about discontent, number 14, satisfaction. Strife, number 21, esteeming others. Anger, self-control, number 24. Idle words, 32, a bridled tongue. Again, there's a there's some interesting ones in here. Like if you look at number 43, copping out versus discipline. It's kind of an interesting one. 47, burying our talents, perfecting abilities. I thought 61 was uh, kind of interesting. Speeding. <laughs> and obedience to civil law. The... Um, yeah, I mean, there's 56, following the wrong crowd, following Christ. There's uh, 82 different ones there. And again, it would uh, I'm sure we can all find uh, a few on there <laughs> that we could uh, stand to um, work on. But it's interesting. That kind of goes along with what Andy was, uh, has been doing on Wednesday nights of where can I go on uh, different topics and stuff. But uh, here's a little bit of a... A little bit of a resource for some of those things such as that. Pretty interesting. But then, I'm not going to spoil it too much, but Appendix 2 is actually what we're going to go over next week. And if you can see in your book there, and it's how to memorize scripture. And this is actually a pretty, don't read ahead. <laughs> don't want to spoil it. Don't read ahead. Um, again, we'll take time and do it. And... I hope this is something then that we actually do and we don't just talk about it and then we forget about it on Monday. And then, yeah. Because um, what's in here and what's, it's pretty neat. It's, um, it's very different than the usual, what you would normally see in like a memory type program on that. And it's, um, look at the first the first page there, we'll give you a, I'll give you a little teaser here. 149. It says, often people come to me after I preach and say, my, you have a wonderful memory. I wish I could memorize like that. God has really gifted you with a great mind. So I want to cry. Now don't misunderstand. I am what I am by the grace of God. 1 Corinthians 15.10 and 1 Corinthians 4.7. No, Paul said, for who maketh thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? Now if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory as if thou hadst not received it? Says so usually I respond to these comments with, well, I have a photographic mind, but I ran out of film a couple years ago. 
They laugh and that's the end of the conversation. But before you read any further, let me share with you the real secret to memorizing scripture, time and work. Now don't stop reading because I think in the next few minutes I can make that time effective and the work enjoyable. And then that's what we'll be looking at next week. And I will say it's definitely, because he goes to, he kind of talks how it starts with him, how it started with him and how he kind of got into it and the process that he used. And again, it's not necessarily the same for everybody, but it's very, some very good practical ideas to do and to try on this. So that's actually technically lesson 13 that um, we'll have the, the PowerPoints and then the handouts and everything for next week. But um, don't want to spoil it so far on that. But any thoughts on the, the lesson tonight? Again, it was kind of a, a little different in the sense of just a reading and then the, without the PowerPoints or anything. But anything stand out to anybody in particular? He had his own business and uh, did, some, did some work for us, and uh, I got to know him a little bit. And, uh, got to know a little bit about his family. He's a Christian. And he was telling me about his son who was autistic. And he said he could, with both hands, draw a picture of his young, draw a picture, a complete picture using both hands at the same time. So I got him this big art and sent it to him with all these pens and pencils and markers and stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's it's amazing. It's amazing what the human mind is capable of. But again, it's interesting. Catastrophic event did happen one day, didn't it? In that. And it's crazy to even think about things we can be so good at and things that we're, like, not. <laughs> like, remembering our own phone number <laughs> on certain things. <laughs> on the, uh, the pin <laughs> 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 the alarm started going off, right? <laughs> 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 you tried ten times. And like again, next week, this is something that like, you no know, course, they talk about the older you get, you know, the, it's harder to learn a language, it's harder to memorize stuff, all this stuff, you know, the older you get. But again, next week, this is something like we can do. Like, 
as adults that we can do. And again, there's a lot of just really good thoughts and principles that'll be brought out, practical on that. But um, anything else, maybe just about the whole study in general so far? Some of us might be a little less than ten percent. In uh, Proverbs chapter eighteen, verse one says, "Through desire, a man finally separated himself. The man, man desired the office of bishop, and of course, through desire, uh, my prayer is for you all and myself that we would really desire." You will go after it. You will love it. You will like it. You guys have desires, other desires, and go after it. And do it. So just pray that uh, we would have that desire to really get into God's Word, to study it, to memorize it. And it's, you know, maybe this is something we do on Wednesdays and Because again, it, it's like. How do we have the mind? How do we have the mind of Christ and what He does? It's His Word, getting His Word in us, and knowing it, and having it, having it memorized, you can meditate on it. And again, I keep I'm not trying to, hopefully, not build it up too much and it's disappointing or anything next week. But it, it is really good and practical. Um, some of the stuff just really resonated with me. Hope it does the same, same to you as well. But any other? comments about any any of the study we've looked at so far i know personally i have very much enjoyed it it's been very challenging um i hope that it's been been to you as well and then that we actually just go do something with it instead of just oh yeah that's great and that sounds yeah that's good but then we just don't do anything with it but um hopefully that's where this is a little different in the end here with the application part of it because again that just that for me, something that's really stood out is just that idea of how much the Bible has this talk about our mind and our thoughts. You know, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. He talks about a change of heart, a change of mind, because that's where it all starts, really. If we want to change our actions, we've got to change our thinking first. But anything else? Anybody? John? I think it was last week, you know, the whole WWJD, 
what would Jesus do, right? Yeah. But really, we should be thinking, WWJT, what would Jesus think? Yep. Anything else? Pastor? A lot of times we just say, well, what, what do you want me to do? But if we know how to think, we know what to do. It's that whole idea of, uh, you know, obviously when we do wrong, we need to repent of our actions. Have we, ever, have we ever repented of our sinful thought patterns that led to that? Interesting. I didn't mean to cut you off if you were uh, saying anything else on that, but... Yeah, this is, I mean, this is good stuff, just of different things that have stood out to different people and different things. But anything else? Anybody? Anything else? So when you have stinking thinking, <laughs> that's when you guys go, okay, this is not biblical. I was going to, um, can't totally remember it, but then something else that was brought out here was the, again, just the principle of uh, not letting something, um, how did it go? Not settling for something good when there's better, or letting something good take the place of the best, different things. Again, there's a lot of principle on that for a lot of different things. Um, I had another thought, but it's, uh, it just left me. Um, but yeah, keep coming. Anything else? I probably should not ask my son because I'm sure he'll come up with something. I'm sure he'll have some comment to make about something. But uh, but yeah, and, and again, we have these books, so be a good thing to be pulled out, reviewed every once in a while. I think the the thing that I was going to mention was along with what. Um, as I said, like change again, it's, it's not something that we can do. 
in and of ourselves. It's only through the Holy Spirit and his word that real change comes in our lives. And again, that changing our thinking on that. But. Okay, let's go ahead and pray, and we'll be finished this night. Lord, I thank you for um, tonight. Thank you for the, this, this opportunity to be able to um, be, leading, be leading the lesson, the service tonight with um, almost closing out the study that we've been looking at over the last uh, couple months on of what's on our mind and then just discovering the power of biblical thinking again. And, and it's, it's not stuff that we've never heard before, but maybe just a different perspective and a way of thinking about it. Um, it definitely seems to be a very biblical perspective of just really how our mind and our thoughts are just, that's really where the battle is because our actions are just a blueprint, or our thoughts are just a blueprint for our actions. And what we do is because of how we think. And so really we need to change the way we think more, and then our actions come from, will come from that. And again, I pray that with this study and everything that it would be something that would just help set us on a course and a path of, of growth and not just, you know, we all just think it sounds good and yeah, it's, it's great and amen, but then we just forget about it and stay where we are. And again, I pray for just this, the lesson next week. Again, I think it will be beneficial and practical and just how to memorize scripture and that um, it will be something that every one of us can practically do. And again, we'll have each have our own levels and goals and it's different things on that, but but it's something that we all can do. And again, but and it doesn't all come down to just memorizing scripture. I mean, I think it was last week we, we looked into Karl Marx had all four of the gospels memorized perfectly, but he died an atheist. I mean, just purely memorizing scripture doesn't isn't the point. But it's letting your word in us and your Holy Spirit using that to change our lives. And I pray that you just give us safety as we go to our homes this evening and bring us back again on Wednesday for, for Patch Club and that that would uh, continue to be a blessing and work in, uh, in the hearts and lives of, uh, of course, the children, but then also as the, the, uh, those directing it and leading it as well. In Jesus' name, amen.